girl. Hi, everybody. Hi, everyone. I'm Stephanie. And I'm Sarah. And this is Dead Time Stories. A weekly podcast where Sarah and I get together to talk about ghost stories, true crime, mysteries, cults, conspiracies, the supernatural, paranormal, or even just the generally weird, eerie, spooky, strange stuff that we want to talk about that week. Why is that, Sarah? Oh, that's because it's our show. And not yours. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, you should stop, go back, start at the beginning, episode one, grumble thorped in my mouth a little bit. Just a little bit. Just only a little bit. It's just a little bit. Yeah. We say on our 217th episode. It's just a little bit. I know. I actually, I saw that in my planner I was keeping in 2020 because I'm trying to get back into journal, bullet journaling, right? Mm -hmm. So in my previous bullet journal back then, I was recording what episodes were coming out what week in my journal. So I put them in my planner. So I did know that this week, episode 217 is coming out. That's this episode that you're listening to right now. This is it. And I have them marked in my planner for the numbers that are coming out. I love that. I just put it by my notes so that I know when I'm editing fast 217. But it's just a really, like, it's a tiny um, canon, you know, not a lot. 217 episodes, about an hour long each. That's not much at all. No big deal. We're just creating hours of content over here. Like, you know, like no big whoop. Hours and hours of art just for you. Days of art, like just for free on the internet. Honestly. Like what? That's the future. These are the days of art lives. Okay. All right. It sounded, <laughs> I think that might be one that would look better written down. I bet it would. Thank you for your support. I just got back from vacation. Yeah, you did. I wish I could live on vacation. Ugh, right? Where you don't even look at your phone. You put it down and you forget where you put it and it doesn't matter. We basically had a no screen rule uh, for most of the vacation. I love so that. So most of us like left our phones down. Uh, and when my brother would pick up his phone and look at Tinder, one of us would go, eh, 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 eh. Beautiful. And call everyone's attention to it. Beautiful. And he would be like, oh, you're right. I'm sorry. And he put his phone down. How many times did the Tinder alarm go off? Oh, I, I didn't count. That many. And other people got caught with their phone, but Philip was the one who got ca- caught with the phone the most. Phil, put your phone away. Philip. I'm so sorry. On Tinder. You know, he's, you know, he's single now. He's trying to get out there and mingle and good for him, but not on family vacay. Yeah, that's not the time or the place. On your own time, buddy. But he was in a new place, so his phone was like, you have all these new matches. And I was like, put it away, Philip. And now we're going to put you on blast, Philip. How you like them apples? Like we just did. You're welcome. So what we were talking about just before we started recording was while I was on vacation, my sister brought me my senior pictures. And it's like that little folio, like it's a black folder that you open and it has a combination of like they made you hold if you were, you know, female presenting. They made you hold like a black cloth across your chest. Oh my god! Um, yes. But I was a big girl. <laughs> I was a big girl, so uh, you know there was a difficulty in pinning it across this bust of mine, and that was a whole thing. Oh my! God. And then there was my outfit that was definitely from Lane Bryant, <laughs> where it was a pink striped shirt with uh, like blue, like robin's egg blue capris. And I wore lots of bracelets. 
I also used to wear, like, a ton of chains on my chain wallet, like, multiple chains. Yes, you did. But I was being classy and minimalist for this senior picture, so it was just one chain on my wallet. Because those earrings you're wearing definitely say minimalist. Yes. Yes. So I had two holes, right? Now I have stretch lobes, so I wear, like, plugs, right? But at the time I had two holes. And I had the two biggest pair of silver hoop earrings, like one giant, huge pair in the first hole, and then a second pair that was also quite large in the second hole. Fantastic. I had my backpack with patches that were almost exclusively from the Hot Topic, all safety pinned to my backpack, had bandanas on it, and I had my rainbow flip-flops on. (laughs) Because Sarah knows I love me some rainbow flip-flops. Those are the same rainbow flip-flops I used to get mad at you for wearing. The same exact pair. So not the same exact (laughs) pair. No, I have replaced them a few times in my lifetime, but not many times. Uh, In 20 years, it's been like four pairs. They last a good five years apiece. I mean, that's solid for a pair of But continuing on, the piece that became a big conversation piece for you and I was the big plastic number next to me in the pictures where I'm seductively laying next to my senior year, which was 05, baby. Why did they make us lay down? I don't know. So I sent them to Sarah and Sarah was like, oh my God, I love these. Also, I have to show you my senior pictures. That are the same. That is also Sarah laying seductively on a tie-dye gray sheet. Yep, plain but background. More, her number was more suggestively posed. And 09, um, <laughs> different number. The other thing is they spend all that money to make those foam numbers to use them for one year. One you year. You can't reuse that number. I mean, no, I don't know. It's so good for at least 100 years. Yeah, for some reason, they thought they would have me lay down first one on my stomach i'm also laying on a big foam slab that says senior (laughs) it says senior (laughs) (laughs) it's so dumb i'm laying on the foam flag this uh, flag foam john that says senior and i'm laying on my stomach and i think i have my elbows under my shoulders propping my chin up in my (laughs) fists and then my legs are you know like bent and crossed behind me like i'm having a slumber party kind of a pose and then they put that fucking 2009 foam right between my butt and my (laughs) feet and I'm just like smiling at the camera, like look at me fart out this two thousand and nine hog tied <laughs> and holding the number between her butt and her feet. And then if that wasn't enough, they were like, you know what? No, no, no. I have the best idea. <laughs> Get on your side. This is gonna look great, kid. Get on your side. Get on your Flip side. Flip over. <laughs> Chris Hansen pops out. <laughs> no, no, no. You said your mom was there. My mom was there. And she never got me into show business because she said it was going to end up like that. (laughs) (laughs) But she stood by and let these senior pictures happen. I was fully clothed, I guess. I don't know. So they're like, you know what? Flip over, get on your right side and prop your elbow under your shoulder. So you're like propping yourself up. And then let's go ahead and let's have you. What would you say? Spread eagle my legs, diamond my legs. Then they're like, yeah, let's put the... The fact that they had to say, like, between your legs in any capacity. It 
put these put this number between your legs, between your knees, between your thighs. Like no matter. I don't even remember they had what to was put said. It to you like that. I don't. Maybe they just put it there. <laughs> like someone just walked up and just placed it on me. Placed it. It looks like I'm They're giving like, Mom, birth. Can you go in there and put that down? It looks like I'm giving birth to 2009. <laughs> to the number 2009. <laughs> in case I ever forgot what year I graduated high school, I was there. I birthed it. I love it so much. Yeah, those were my pictures. Yeah, man. And then the other thing I was going to start talking about when you said, we need to record this. And I was like, you're right. Was my other pictures. I was like, why aren't we recording right now? This is going to be great. It's just gold, right? You guys are entertained. So we have the normal, like, every senior picture they make you pose with your foam year. And they give you then the black, like, blackout to where you're just a floating head. And then they typically let you do sort of whatever you want, whether it's one of those basic backdrops. Yours kind of looked like you were leaning on a railing. Yeah. I had decided my senior year, maybe like the summer before my senior year, that I was going to learn how to play the guitar. <laughs> and so I brought in, in my defense, I did take lessons for like six <laughs> months. <laughs> I brought in my guitar to take, to have because with my this senior was gonna pictures. Because this was going to be a big part of your personality now, was, be, was playing the guitar. This is my new thing. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I'm an actress, but I'm also a musician, and, like, I want to learn how to, I already know how to play piano. I want to learn how to play guitar. So I have all these pictures of me holding this guitar. There's one. <laughs> That's why I was like, you could go on my Facebook and you can see them. They're still there. There's one of me just standing there, hand on my hip, just holding the guitar, like, I'm coming, Nashville. Yes! Like, what? <laughs> Who is she? <laughs> oh, I love good her. God. Yeah. I'm coming, Nashville. I'm coming, Nashville. Just kidding. I'm staying away, Nashville. I don't want to go to Nashville. Yeah. Those are my senior pictures. There's also some other ones that are really just silly. There are some, like, glamour shot ones that are so bad. They are so bad. Yeah, the one where I'm at, like, the rail or whatever, that was just outside. So they had three things. They did the, like, the black neck thing. They did the, like, you know, seductive senior year. Of course. (laughs) And then they did, like, go outside and stand by this old fence pole. (laughs) So it's, like, the quintessential American high school senior pictures, I would assume at least for the South and the East Coast, You've got your blackout top floating head. You've got your holding your phone number so you don't forget what year you graduated. And then you have free play, which they let you go outside. I was going to say, well, my free play, my, you know, bring your own props was the number picture. So my props, right, were I had the uh, lawn flamingo that I asked my mom for for Christmas because I'm weird. Uh, I had the, that was why I had it. I was like, it's kitschy and weird and that's me. So I have that, which I still have this lawn flamingo. I have my backpack cause it had all my patches on it. And I had, I still have this notebook down here, but I had the printed notebook version of my blog. Um, and this is the blog that I ran all through high school. Oh my God. I printed the entries oh and God. put them in a three inch like binder. I still have them. I love that. 
but it's opened on like what the new layout was. So it's like this was the new, this is my new fresh layout <laughs> on my website. This is my backpack with all my patches and safety pins because I'm punk. And this is my lawn flamingo that I have in my room because I'm weird. weird. Look how random I am. Yes. Yes. It was the year of random. Oh, yeah. That was me. I'm so random. For a split second, because you were mentioning all those things and you were like, my free play was with the number. And you said, and I still have. And you went to reach down. I thought you were going to pull one out. I thought you were going to pull out like two. Oh, the phone number? Yeah. Oh, my God. How how fucking funny would that have been? I shit my pants. I really wish that's what I had. (laughs) I did think you looked really excited for what I was saying, and then I was like, oh, because that's... I wish. Oh, I wish it was a big foam 05. That would be hysterical. That would be so good. If you're listening and you want to get us a gift, you could get us the foam cutouts of the years we graduated high school. Of the years we graduated from high school. (laughs) Not college. High school. Oh, man. Yeah, man. It's, It's been a while. It's been years. What if we got those and then we recreated our individual senior pictures? I love it. I love it. That would be so much fun. I would do the makeup the same. Yeah. Do you know Have how? To. Oh, do you know how I used to put on my eyeliner? The only thing I saw really were the really skinny brows. And I was like, well, they're gone now. <laughs> <laughs> I really didn't do anything to my brows back then. That's just what they looked That's like. That's just how brows were in the 90s and early 2000s, everyone. They were a pencil lined. So I remember all my friends thought my eyeliner was so cool. And this is literally how I put on my eyeliner. I would have a black eyeliner pencil and I would just put it in my eyeball and close my eye and rub it back and forth. Yes, I had friends who did that. (laughs) I could never. That's how I did it. And all my friends were like, that's awesome. And you're like, yeah, watch me do it again. (laughs) And I did it on the bus. I did that on the bus while the bus was moving. High school was wild. (laughs) I was a different person back then. Right? Weren't we both? (laughs) What a time. Send us your senior pictures. We would love to see your your senior senior pictures. pictures. Do you have a picture of you holding the year that you graduated in some weird provocative pose? Send it over. We want to see it. If... If you did that math about when I I graduated, I'm turning 35 this year. Yeah, you are. Isn't that wild? Crazy. Wild and crazy yeah. guys. Uh, wild and crazy guys. I can't believe mm-hmm. it. I feel like your 30th it's was nuts. just yesterday. Me too. We lived together. Mm-hmm. Am I? Yeah. Because both Gail Marie and Philip came down. Yes. Or came up because we live north. But I'm from the them. south, so it's always she- just going down. I'm going on down <laughs> to Canada. So. You know. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> ah! Hey, Sarah. Hey, Stephanie. Hey, hey Leslie. Leslie. Y'all, Y'all ready to talk, talk about, about some ghosts? ghosts? Y'all ready to talk about some ghosts? Sarah, who's going first? I don't know. You go first. All right, so this week I am talking about a folklore, but Ooh. a really kind of cool folklore that I stumbled upon recently. I'm going to probably mispronounce this because this is a folklore from Southeast Asia. Uh, The origins are in Malaysia, Indonesia, and Singapore. So I apologize for butchering the pronunciation, but I believe this is called the Pontianak. Pontianak. P-O-N-T-I-A-N-A-K. Pontianak. 
Sure. I read it all day, and I never tried saying it out loud. And you're still just not confident. Now. Yeah, no, I get it. Yeah, 100%. So it'll change. Uh, the other name that it's known by is the Kuntilanak. The only thing I think I get right out of that word That's is That's not any easier cunt. to say. Yeah. The Kuntilanak. Anyways, the Pontianak, that's what we're going with. Origins are in Malaysia, Indonesia, Singapore, and before I get into the folklore, I wanted to read you a a story about this specter. I just need to pull it up real fast. So I listened to that other podcast called True Hauntings of those two ladies in Australia, and they're fantastic. If you haven't given them a check, you should go and give them a check out. My sister has started listening to them by your recommendation. She says that they are fantastic. Aren't they fantastic? They they really yeah, are. Their them. banter is so cute. They're very well educated. They cover really interesting stories. And one thing about their format and their layout is in the beginning, they do this thing called a soundscape, which is basically just a narration of either a chapter of a book on the subject that they're talking about or a personal account or an eyewitness account of whatever they're speaking of to kind of set the tone. And I found a soundscape that goes along with this folklore and this telling that I wanted to open up with. And then I'll get into about what exactly the Pontianak is, what its origins are, and most importantly, how you defeat it. We're giving you all the tools you need. So here we go. <clears throat> Don't you know you shouldn't leave your laundry out at night? Annie had asked, a tease in her voice. It was almost midnight. We were at a clothesline next to my house. Annie had glided down the stone and concrete pathway. She rested her elbows on a low concrete wall, half a smile on her face. This was the first time we met. I had just moved to Ipo to help manage a massive banana plantation. Before this, I graduated in agricultural studies and worked in a mushroom farm in Perth for two years. It was time for a change. Just to clarify, I didn't move to middle-of-nowhere Malaysia for a random girl. I'm not that kind of guy, but I felt like I would stay there after meeting her. Annie, I always smelled her before I saw her. She moved gracefully, bringing along a delicate floral scent that I could never quite place. Almost like jasmine, but a little off. And beautiful. She loved wearing her hair down. It fell to the middle of her back, deep black against a white linen sundress. We started dating. Me playing the role of the exotic foreigner, and her, the gorgeous local. We always met after work. For me, that meant after sunset after all the men had gone home. We would wander around the plantations, catching fireflies, looking at the stars. In the day, she would be busy. I think she worked with her parents in a village nearby. But I didn't think too much about it. I was preoccupied with running the plantation. We had issues with workers leaving with just no notice at all. Almost every two weeks, someone would disappear. I could understand why the job was physically exhausting and paid absolute shit. And I agree, my men deserved more, so I never pursued it. I only hoped that they found better jobs. And that was life. Work, Annie, Annie, and work. By now it's almost September. I've been here for just about a full month. Annie hasn't introduced me to any of her family or friends yet. 
It makes me a little nervous, a little anxious that she doesn't think I'm good enough, or maybe she's scared to be caught dating the one Angmo in this small traditional village. Not that the people aren't welcoming, just last night they invited me to a celebration. I asked one of my men, Lim, what the name of the celebration meant, and he said it was seventh month, according to the lunar calendar. Some sort of summer solstice celebration, I thought. I asked Annie to come along, but she declined. Sorry, Tim, must go see my family, she said with a small smile. Her dark eye crinkled upward. Don't stay out too late. No worries, I only have eyes for you, I teased her back. My foreman, Lim, and I meandered around the houses. They were a charming sight, low buildings with wooden structures and zinc roofs. It was a whole different world here. Finally, we arrived at Lim's place. It was in a quiet corner of the village, the back facing the plantation itself. We stopped at his doorway to take off our shoes. And like the houses around us, Lim's family had an offering table. Oranges and treats sat in little piles surrounding a small bronze bowl of incense. Black and white pictures lined the back of the table, leaning against an unpainted concrete wall. I leaned forward to look closer. Lim? I asked. Who's that? Huh? He responded. Who's that girl? I pointed at a photograph of a young woman standing in the doorway of Lim's house. Ah, that was my sister, Anghui, he said slowly. Was your sister? I asked again. She died giving birth. The baby didn't survive either, he said sadly, then pointed to a small stack of chocolate wafers wrapped in red foil. These were her favorite. I looked closer at the picture. It couldn't be. She was so warm, so... Hello, Tim. I looked up from the table. Lim was still staring at the picture. It was like he hadn't heard her at all. I see you've met my brother, Annie smiled. I never noticed how sharp her teeth were. Fade out. So he had been seduced and brought in by a Pontianac. So this is a type of ghost or specter that was once a woman who died either in childbirth or from violence at the hands of a man. She returns from the dead with a vengeance, usually attacking and seeking out men. Some tellings say that she also attacks the helpless but it typically goes to her just attacking men, which she does by appearing to them as a beautiful young woman and luring them to her. Once they're in her grasp, she reveals her true form, which is pale skin, long, dark hair, a dress that's white and long and sometimes bloodstained, basically the girl from the ring, She's also sporting fall fashionable bright red eyes that would make any monster envious. Along with the (laughs) eyes, she's rocking some super long, sharp nails that any drag queen would die for. Think Louise Belcher in the cruise ship episode. Clickety-clack, clickety-clack, don't look back. She takes those nails of hers. That's it. That's that noise. Once her form is revealed, she uses her claws to eviscerate her victims, ripping them open through the bowels and internal organs and eating them. 
It's also said okay, where? that if she comes into town and you have your eyes open and you look at her the wrong way, she sucks them right out of your skull. <laughs> work. Gives a whole work. gives a whole new meaning to the term side eye. <laughs> Don't do it. <laughs> the Pontianac will locate her prey by the scent of its clean laundry. Hence the saying, don't leave your laundry out overnight. And to this day, most people in Malaysia, Indonesia, Singapore will refuse to leave their laundry drying out on the line overnight. Because that's the thing. That's the, I mean, if we think back to things that we do, little tiny things, whatever folklore goes back to it, but it just ends up becoming a thing to do. Now, is that because maybe they had an issue of people leaving or someone some kid would leave them out overnight and a mom was like, I got to get him to stop doing this and came up with their own like La Llorona to scare the child into doing what they're supposed right. to do. Maybe. Now, you'll know that the Pony- Pontianac, I'll get it at one point. You'll know she's around if these things occur. If a dog howls in the middle of the night, she's around, but she's far away. If the dog is just whining, she's nearby. She'll also announce her presence by imitating the sound of a baby crying. And in similar fashion, if you hear the sound of a baby crying loudly, she's far, far away. But if the cry is very soft, the call is coming from inside the house. And she also does... Our favorite thing at all. No. And she likes to laugh. And people will hear a disembodied feminine laughter. And if that laughter is loud, she's a little bit away. But if that laughter is close, she's standing right behind me, isn't she? I hate it. I hate it. Her presence also comes with a 4D effect in the scent that you can smell her. So they say that if she comes up, if she's trying to lure you, she'll smell like sweet flowers. And if she's far away, she'll smell like sweet flowers. But as she gets closer, that stench changes and turns into the smell of a rotting corpse. And then she laughs really quiet. And then you shit your pants. And then she kills you. I mean, you don't have to shit your pants, but I assume that that's like the next logical step. There's only one method to rid yourself of a Pontianac. You need to drive a long nail fully into the back of their neck, right above the spinal cord. There will be conveniently placed a tiny hole that will perfectly fit that long nail. And you put that nail in there, and as long as that nail is fully in there, then she'll change into a beautiful woman and a good wife. So it's like when you needed to Stop. reset your Tamagotchi and you had to get a paper clip and find that little hole. So you can poke that hole in the and back. And poke that yep. little hole in the back. So she's just a faulty, what is that movie where all of the wives turn into robots to try and be the best housewife? Stepford wife. A Stepford wife. She's a Stepford wife that went awry and you just need to reset her by poking the hole in the back of her neck. Otherwise, if you don't reset her, then she's going to eviscerate you and eat your internal organs. And suck your eyes out if you look at her a weird way while she does it. So, 
And that's the Pontianic. Okay. That's the folklore behind it. Yeah, it is. One thing as I was doing more and more research into the folklore, and I just think it's it's weird to say fun, but I'm like, it's kind of fun. And I was reading up on it, and I said, oh, I think it's kind of fun because, as one Vice.com article is titled, she's Southeast Asia's folklore feminist icon because... She's a woman, sort of to a degree, taking back her power. They talk about how after it says that the folklore is that she loses a child and now she's childless and can't sort of fulfill that duty that was put upon her by society. Well, now she's out for vengeance. She walks by herself, doesn't require an escort. She really only kills men and fucks them up, sucks their eyes out if they look at her the wrong way and does her own thing. And they're like, take that society. Take it back. She's like, I'm taking it back. And that's the Pontianic, Southeast Asia's folklore feminist icon. Just don't look at her the wrong way. Good for her. Good for her. That's, All right. that's my folklore. Good story. And I'm sticking to it. Stick to it, Sarah. I, I am. I did. I closed my book. Done. Case closed. Stephanie, what are you talking about this week? Sarah. Yes. Today, I am talking about the history of witch trials. Ooh. All right. And it all goes back to one guy. One fucking guy? Because, of course, he's a man. Where's the Pontianac when you need her? So, I also am probably going to say, say names weird, because I'm talking about Germans and Austrians. Well, that's this episode. We're sorry. But as you can guess, it started with fucking white people. It always does. It always does. So there's this guy. His name is Heinrich Kramer. Hate him. He's an Austrian. I know. Already hate him. I know. Actually, I think he was technically a German, but this is all in that area that like later part of it was Germany and part of it was Austria. It was all a bunch of little shit back then. But anyway, Heinrich Kramer, he was a churchman and he was an inquisitor. Ooh. An inquisitor as in the Inquisition. What a shame. The Inquisition. Oh, man. If you have not seen Mel Brooks's History of the World Part 1. Get on it. Do it. What are you doing? Anyway, it's great. But the there's the Spanish Inquisition, which, you know, that was the Catholics. And they were like, we're going to torture way the all highway. the people until they say that they believe in God. And if you don't believe in God, our Christian God, because there were a lot of Jews that were persecuted. Um, but they're like, if you don't believe in, you know, our God and Jesus and all that, then we're going to torture you until you do or you die. Well, they were inspired by this guy. Oh, cool. Tight. He's- dope. Does he sound great? Hate him. So he was, you know, an incel before his time. Oh, and he worked at the church and women didn't like him the way he wanted to be liked. So, you know, he was a real fun guy. And he was never like, is it me? Am I the problem? He was no, always he was like, like, it's women. It's their fault. Of course. It's the women. Of course. Exactly. It's the women and the non-Catholics. Got it. So he joined the Dominican Order, which is who later eventually um, became 
the Inquisitors and started the Inquisition. But he was, you know, he was down with the cult so far. He was down with the cult even before that's what they were doing. He was an early... He was like the hipster cult. He was in the hipster cult where he was doing yes. it before anyone else was. So he was going around and he was converting people and he was trying to prosecute witches and sorcerers. But at that time, like, the church went back and forth with how they felt about witches. So when the church was first a thing, they didn't even really believe in witches. They were like, witches are like a pagan thing. We don't even believe in witches. That's not our deal. That's the thing that they're into. Mm-hmm. Then it became like, okay, well, if they are witches, like, we frown upon that. Like, that's not really our thing. But witches were always kind of around. And maybe it was like, you know, looked down upon, but it wasn't really like evil or bad. It was just kind of like, oh, that's kind of like old hocus pocus superstitious kind of stuff. Yeah. Right? Nobody really felt one way or another about witchcraft. But this guy felt all kinds of ways about it. Because who practices witchcraft, Sarah? Women. Primarily women, yes. So he was going around and he was like, you're a witch, you're a witch, like pointing fingers at people. Um, And nobody really took him seriously because they were like, well, who the fuck are you? And you don't have any kind of authority here. So then he wrote a letter to the Pope, Pope Innocent VIII. And this is in 1484. And he's like, listen up, Pope. I need you to understand that witches are evil and women are more prone to being evil and being witches. Just the same reason that Eve was the one who listened to the devil. Women are always more prone to sin because they're the weaker sex. And the devil is who gets them interested in witchcraft. And I need your permission to prosecute these witches because it's not really against the law to be a witch. But if you, the Pope, give me permission, I can go in there and I can be like, no, it's bad that you're a witch and I can burn them at the stake if that's cool with you. Like, is that like, do I have your permission? And the Pope was like, thank you for asking. Yes, actually, that sounds great. Can you take care of that problem I didn't know we had? He was like, I'll think about it. Oh, all right. Right. Well, and he's making a list because he's like, the Pope's thinking about it. He's going to let me prosecute these witches. Well, who am I going to? Who's first? Who's, who's on first? What witch? I'll tell you who's on first. Goody Proctor. It's a woman named Helena Schuberin. So, Helena Schuberin, what was her crime? Being a woman? Mostly, she didn't go to his sermons because she thought he was a quack. And, one time, she spat at him in the street. How dare she? (laughs) Who does she think she is? So, Schuberin was also accused of having, at some point, passed Kramer in the street, spat, and cursed him publicly when she said, Fie on you, you bad monk! May the falling of evil take you! And that was her cursing him, because she was a witch, in his mind. Did he cut her off in traffic? He's like, she spat at me, she didn't go to my church sermons, and she called me a bad monk. In the middle of the street where everybody could hear it. How many times did he ask her out and her turn him down? Girl. He definitely talked about how promiscuous she was. That was a big thing. She was sleeping with everybody except Except for for me. Except for me. So that means she's bad. And she's like, I spit on you and told you to fuck off to get you to go away. And he's like, she's a witch. She even 
started telling other people, don't go to his sermons. Like, don't listen to him. He's so full of shit. Oh, no. Nobody likes him. And then Heinrich got his permission from the Pope to expand his jurisdiction. And one of the first people put on trial was Helena Schubert. I hope she spit on him again. Right? During her trial... Kramer focused heavily on her sexuality and her promiscuity. He was accused by the bishop of having, quote, presumed much that had not been proved. So he was like, you talk a lot about her being a big old slut and you literally have no proof of it. Yeah, you're just assuming and inferring because you want to bang her that she's a big old slutty slut. So Kramer remained in Innsbruck, this is where this trial was taking place, to continue his his investigation, collect evidence, and to interrogate suspected witches, right? He's like, all of you women are witches! So another guy who he was working with named Goldsmer, the two of them exchanged letters, and Goldsmer was encouraging Kramer to quit the investigation ending with a final letter in 1486 in which Golzer ordered Kramer to leave his diocese, the trials in Innsbruck finally being suspended, and Kramer finally relented and returned to Cologne. So basically, her charge was ultimately dismissed. Oh, that's good. So he came in, he Um, caused a big old ruckus, wasted a lot of people's time, and then he got kicked out. Yes. Got it. That was the start of it. Typical man. So, you know, there might have been some light fines or some slaps on the wrist, but there were no, like, major criminal implications for the people involved in that trial. Mm -hmm. So, he left, and he was furious! Of course! The devil has won again. The devil won again. So he's like, I've got to write a book, because people are not taking it seriously. Witchcraft... The devil, all of these things are a threat to our religion, and women are doing all this shit with the devil, and that's why things are bad. And I'm going to write a book about women and what they do with the devil, and what they get out of it, and then how to try them, how to how to test a witch and prove that she's a witch. Okay. So he wrote a book. So how do you prove a witch? Step one. Ask her out oh, on a man. date. Oh, man. So you've heard some of these. Some of these famous ones are like, tie her up, throw her in the water. If she drowns, she was innocent, but she's dead now. And if she, and floats, if she lives, she's, a, she's witch. a witch. She's dead now. Yeah. Yes, that came from this book. So he wrote this book called The Malleus Malficarum, which roughly translates to The Hammer of Witches. Like, this is how we're going to hit them witches. so the book was first published in 1487 he failed in his attempt to get endorsement for his work from the top theologians of the inquisition they were like "Mm." and they condemned the book as recommending unethical and illegal procedures as well as being inconsistent in what they perceived as the orthodox catholic doctrines of demonology In overall evaluation, his works were praised and his prestige was growing. So even though they were like, "Mm, like, we're not really into this and like the Catholic Church, the more secular laws were beginning to pay attention to witches, which makes no sense because they didn't even, they had like Catholic influence, but they were like, okay, like maybe the church isn't going to do anything about it. 
but witches are a real problem. We got to do something about it. So was he also right? like, like espousing what? witch propaganda to like get everyone yes. else on board? Where he's like, if the Catholic to Church everybody, isn't going to do anything, to anybody who would listen, I'll get the Protestants in on it. Yes, the Protestants loved his shit. If I know anyone's yes, going to so, love a witch, it's going to be a goddamn evangelical. And where did they come from? Yeah. The Protestants. So eventually the Catholics came around years later, right? Because the Inquisition started probably like 40 to 50 years after that. Mm -hmm. So even though his book wasn't insanely popular, like at the time that he wrote it, it kind of rose to prominence and became very influential in different circles. It gained cult status. Yes. So the most important and influential book was the Malleus Malficarum. And Kramer began his work in opposition to the canon Episcopi, but oddly, he does not cipher Jaquir, who uh, was like a big anti-witch person at the time, but people didn't give a shit about that. He wasn't as popular. Uh, he he wasn't as popular. So he he had been met with strong resistance by those who opposed his view, like I said, initially. But they began printing more copies of this book, and it began spreading, and people were like, oh, this sounds like a good fucking idea. We've got bad shit going on in our town. It's all the witches. The peak of the witch trials were 1560 to 1630. So his book came out in 1486. So like I said, it wasn't influential in the time that it came out, but Almost a hundred years later, it was like, this is the book we're going to look at that's going to tell us about the witches. Yep. So, um, the first thing that a witch has to do, right, Mm -hmm. is she has to make a pact with the devil, and that is sealed when she gives him a kiss on the butthole. Of course, because that's what you do. We've all done that. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, when we make our packs with the devil. Yeah, duh. So that's the first thing you do. But he's right? mad because no one's going to kiss his butthole. Because nobody wants to kiss his butthole. <laughs> so make a pact. Kiss the devil's butthole. Got it. Have, you know, whatever profane <laughs> sex the devil wants to have. Yep. Then Makes he's going to give you the power to fly. Okay? Worth that's it! That's when you get to fly. Right? You mean I just got to kiss I've... a butthole and have sex with the devil once? Sarah, I've given a rim job for so much less. <laughs> <laughs> that's what Goody Proctor said, too. Right? <laughs> I need a t-shirt that's like, I kissed the devil's butthole and all I got was the stupid t-shirt. <laughs> And then you fly so, away. Then you fly. Uh, then the next thing is you have a big old party slash orgy with the devil and all the other people who kissed his butthole. It's dope. Sounds awesome. Right? I'm down with the cult so far. Sounds great. Then you all practice magic together. And then the last thing, naturally, you slaughter the babies. I mean, I'm here for all of this. <laughs> This all sounds great. I'm down with the cult so far. I mean, okay, I get to fly. I get to go to parties, have copious amounts of sex, and kill babies? Right? All of the above. Now, eventually, the witch trials subsided. It took many, many, many years. But it was all because of the influence of this fucking guy, Henrik Kramer, who died a virgin. Because witches were around before that, but nobody really gave a shit. No. Until this guy decided that they consorted with the devil and kissed them on the butthole. 
How did he know that that's what they did? Because he obviously wasn't talking to any of the women. I don't know. One of the other things he said that they did was that they could they could spiritually castrate you so they wouldn't actually cut your dick off, but they would make you have horrible, vivid nightmares that they made your dick come off of your body and then it got together with a bunch of other dicks <laughs> and then she fed them oats and corn the dicks? and they all laughed at you. The dicks, oats, and corn? Yes, she fed the dicks. <laughs> yes. And they would all laugh at you. The dicks included. All the dicks. Mm-hmm. All the dicks would laugh at you. Yeah. That's hilarious. How many times do you think he had that nightmare for him to put it oh, in his man. book? Oh, man. I hope he had it a lot. For it to be that vivid for him to put it in his book. Where he's like, I can't be the only one experiencing this. There's no way. I can't be the only one. I can't be. Who are all the other people the dicks belong to? You all must be having the same terrible nightmare. Everyone. And then he goes and he listens to like an old husband and wife and the husband's bitching about how his wife won't ever sleep with him anymore. And in the back, Henrik's like, I know why. I know why. I know why. I know why I saw. I know I saw why because your... a witch made a witch spiritually castrated him and fed his dick some oats. He walks up to him. He was like, "Yo, yo, yo, real fast. Can I see your dick? Because I think I saw your dick standing next to my dick, laughing at me in a dream." <laughs> <laughs> and I'm pretty sure they're plotting yeah, against eating us. oats. Yes. How did you know? Oh my god. <laughs> okay, so answer me this. Answer me this. When you saw the dick with eating the oats and laughing. Who was there with you? Who was there with them? Was it was it Goody Proctor? Was it Helena? Was it Helena Schubert? Because that's that bitch that spit at me in the street. He's like, oh, you know what? And I know she's the one that fed my dick oats. Now that you mention it, now that you mention it, I think it was. And then Barbara Snow comes in and she's like, so where else on the doll did Helena touch you and castrate <laughs> your penis? Wow. And she was talking about Satan? That satanic ritual right there. <laughs> oh, Barbara. Good old Barbara Snow. <laughs> that bitch. <sighs> well, fuck that guy. Fuck that guy. Fuck that guy and his book. But, and and his book. That's my story. I hope he was constantly anxious and angry and never had a moment of peace his entire life. I hope so, too. And I hope his death was painful. I hope both real witches and the ones he imagined <laughs> tormented him. Yeah. Both of them. All of them. Every single All kind. All of the above. Yeah. And I hope he had nightmares about his dick running away to eat oats every night. I hope he had nightmares about his dick running away because it wanted to find a better body. <laughs> and it was like, I don't like you anymore. I like that. I like that idea. It's like, I don't want to be here. I don't want to be attached to That's you. That's beautiful. He's, like, espousing all this awful stuff, and his penis is like, um, I don't feel the same way. I know we're attached, but, like, I don't- I'm not included in this. I'm not in this. He runs away. Joke's on him, right? A witch didn't make his dick run away. His dick ran away of its own volition. He did. He made his dick run away. You gotta ask yourself- His dick was like, I'm choosing to leave. Yes. I hope that's what happened. I'm going home. I'm going home. (laughs) This has been the easiest decision I've ever had to make. I'm going home. <laughs> I'm going home. Well, I want to thank you so much for listening to our podcast. Hopefully you had a good time this week. Yes, thank we you We a little so bit much. lighter fare. Oh, yeah. We got to keep a it a little bit. bit lighter. But you should totally support our podcast. Lighter but still wet. I was going to say lighter but still slightly feminist. 
Because fuck them men. Hey, fuck them men. Yeah, so if you'd like to support our podcast, which you totally should, you can do that in a plethora of ways. You can sign up for our Patreon, where we have lots of awesome bonus content that we release every month. You can buy merch from our website, deadtimestoriesw.com. Or if you want to just say hey and send us some support, you can email us at deadtimestorieswithaz at gmail.com. And the best way that you can support us that doesn't cost any money at all is by leaving us a five-star review in the Apple Podcast Store, in Spotify, in Google Play, in SoundCloud, anywhere where you listen to podcasts. Give us a high rating because that's how other people can find our show and we can keep making it. Yes, please. And send us your awkward senior pictures. Send them oh my on God, over. Yes, I would love that. Instagram, Facebook, Gmail. I'm not kidding. Send them over. Heck yes. We'll make a big please, old collage. Please send us your awkward, awkward senior pictures. Show us we're not alone in this. Did they make you pose next to the number of the year you graduated? Let us see that. Please. Please. I love it so much. Into it. Well, that's it, man. That's it. Until next week. I'm Stephanie. I'm Sarah. And this has been Dead Time Stories. Thank you for listening. Dead Time Stories is hosted by Sarah Heddens and Stephanie C. Ferguson. Music and editing by Eric Gershnow. Artwork by Rennie Slackman.